0: Hello, everybody. This is the Dirt Bike Channel podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson. Today, we got a fun topic. We're going to be talking about my five least favorite bikes. So I know I did the podcast on this a little bit ago on the top 10 bikes. So it just goes to stand that you're going to have a bottom five. And I did this video on YouTube. But I have a lot of people that say, hey, you know, why don't you do a longer form and give us a little bit more background? Just give us kind of some extra context on these bikes and, 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 and why you decided to pick them, you know? So I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. So before I get too deep into this thing, I should just say that um, if you want to support Dirt Bike Channel, one of the best ways you can do it is use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV, Motorsport, Amazon. Um, You can find them over at dirtbikechannel.com up in the upper right-hand corner. There's a links button there. I also have just make it really easy. Just like if you're at dirtbikechannel.com, you can just say like shop, you know, Rocky Mountain ATV. What happens is Rocky Mountain ATV will put a tracker in your browser and then anything that you purchase gives me a referral bonus, which is really, really cool. So the tracker lasts for maybe the rest of that day or something. And uh, yeah, you can just, you're at dirtbikechannel.com. You click shop, rocket mountain, ATV MC. And then I have some things on there that are like, just to get you ideas like, Oh, here's some favorite tubes or favorite protection items or whatever. You don't have to pick from those lists. They just, that's just to kind of get you going and get the juices flowing. You can pick anything you want gear, tires, chains, whatever. It all works. So thank you so much for, for doing that. So Uh, let's jump in to my top five least favorite motorcycles, my top five least favorite. And I should mention here that, um, I'm, I picked, I have five different bikes from four different brands and two of them are KTMs. There's two KTMs, one Yamaha, one beta and one Honda. And I have liked bikes from all of these manufacturers, but these ones are just the ones that I've liked the least. And It's, it sucks to say that, but if you're going to have a top 10 list, you're going to have a bottom five and the bottom five was actually maybe even a little bit harder for me to come up with than the top 10, because you know, you don't want to put, you don't want to put a bike in here because you put somebody's you put a bike in here and essentially what happens is then I'm just going to have a bunch of, I'll just say it, a bunch of pissed off people. Uh, One of the things that I've learned in doing dirt bike channel for the last many, many years is there's a whole bunch of people out there that are less interested in like what, what I, what the review of the bike is, what they're really wanting is validation, (laughs) you know? And so I get the, I get an email from people. I get it every day or every other day, at least where they're like, Hey, will you review this bike? You know, whatever it is. And I'll respond back and be like, Hey, you know, I've been thinking about that, or I've thought about it for a while. Tell me why you want me to review it. More often than not, they'll say, oh, I just bought the bike. I just wonder what you think of it. <laughs> so you don't want a review. In that case, what you want is validation on your purchase. One second. Excuse me while I hydrate. That person doesn't want a review. They just want to be validated on their purchase. And that is that happens over and over and over and over. One of the best ways for me to make enemies is by saying something bad about a bike that somebody bought you know, and that kind of like, if they feel like, Oh, it's an attack on them. It's not an attack on them. I just don't love this thing or that thing about the bike. And that's hard for some people to hear. So you don't want to put a bike in your bottom five. And the hardest one that I've put in is my number five bike. The five, the, the number five, as far as least favorite is my, my 2019 KTM 300 XEW And it pains me to say that because there were times that I was on the bike. It's amazing. I was like, you know, there were times that it ran perfect. And there were times that I'm like, Oh, this is, this feels really good in this way. And it's pretty balanced. And generally speaking, it's not a bad bike. The problem was that when you overlay, when I overlay my experiences with the 2019, and then I overlay the experience on the 2020 KTM 300 XCW, then, man, it just really starts to feel, feel, it felt really dated. You know, it wasn't only just, there were many things. It was your suspension. It was the geometry on the front end. It was the mapping on the motor. I mean, they just, they went through and in the 2020 model year, they made that bike so flipping much better. I mean, it was just leaps and bounds. And it was only on the XCW, the 2019 to 2020 XC line in KTM. It didn't get a lot better. It, you know, there's some minor refinements or whatever. Um, Obviously in 2020, they went full on to the XC. You couldn't get it in a carburetor anymore. So, I mean, we could, that's a whole other discussion there. But in the XCW range, they made updates to the front end. This is the geometry of that front end. It became so well balanced. It was just amazing. So then you look at the 2019, you're like, well, it has the older balance. It has the older geometry. You look at the forks, you know, the fork on the 2020, it got like super awesome, absorbing everything. And it wasn't that the fork on the 2019 was bad, it just wasn't as good. It really wasn't. And then the other thing on that 2019 is it didn't start super great. Now I had two 2019 300 XCWs, one of them I just gave away. I never did. I never did ride it. The other one I rode for 126 hours. Both of those bikes were very, very cold blooded. Like they didn't want to start at all. And I have had many of these other TPI's. I, my, my 2019, uh, TPI bikes that I was around a couple of them. They started the 2018 started really well. Both the 2019s that I owned did not start well. And then the 2020s, started really well like way less cold-blooded and same thing with the 2021s so there's this one little lone thing here and it was almost like in a way i felt like ktm kind of went backwards like their first entry you know the first model year that they gave us was a 2018 250 xew and it was pretty dang good and then i feel like they went kind of backwards on the next year kind of bust that whole myth that like you know, don't buy anything on its first year, wait until the second year. Cause they fix all the bugs. There's that little bit of a, you know, a wives tale out there saying that I found that not to be the case with these, uh, with the TPI. I think they made, they, and it in the 2019, it was the one year that they went with like an extended reach plug that was super expensive, a spark plug. And you know, a lot, there was controversy on, should you run the old standby plug or you should run this extended reach plug. I tried both, and I'm like, well, the bike runs the best on the extended reach plug, but you look at it, and they only did that in 2019. So, I think the mapping was off in 2019, as far as the fuel mapping. Um, I think they had the wrong spark plug. I think they didn't have the suspension dialed quite as well, and so it was... And if you have a 2019, I'm not saying you have a bad bike. I'm just saying that I don't like it nearly as much as the 2020. And honestly, it wasn't any better as far as suspension wise than the 2018, you know? So the 2019 is kind of like, you're so (laughs) close, you're so close to having the amazing thing. And that, and that's where I don't like them to 2019. I'd rather have a 2018 because at least then you're not spending as much money on a 2018, 300 XEW or 250 XEW and the 2019, the mapping's kind of weird. So that's my number five least favorite bike. Pains me to say it, but that that's it. So then the next one, uh, number four, is a 2014 KTM 350 XCF. Now, a little bit of context here. I've had um two different KTM three, I've owned two different KTM 350s. One was a 2014, one was a 2016. The 2016 was better. But I want to be fair to these bikes and say, and again, this isn't a list of bad bikes. It was just my least favorite. So number four, least favorite is the 2014 KTM 350 XCF. And it's, it's less of an indictment on the bike and much more of an indictment on me and where I was at at the time, you know, so I had had, I'd reading all this stuff online and I was looking at things and I'm going, well there's the 250s, the 450s. I knew at that point I didn't want to have a 450 and you fall into this trap where you're thinking a 250 is is not enough power because you see kids riding 250s, you know, you see it's like a natural stepping stone for a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid to be on a 250. And so you're thinking, well as a full-grown full man with kids and everything, of course I need more power than a 250. And so here I am in 2014 uh, staring down the sights of this 350 and I actually got it in 2015, believe it or not. So it was like a leftover type bike, leftover model 2014 that I picked up in 2015 and it was my first four stroke after riding two strokes for a few years. I'd ridden only two strokes from 2012. So I had 2012, 2013, 2014. I was starting my fourth year in a row of not riding any four strokes and then I go get this 350 XCF. And I just couldn't keep the dang thing running because I sucked, I sucked at clutch modulation. I had been kind of like lulled into a false sense of security on my clutch control, thinking that I'm better than I am because I'd been on these 302 strokes. You know, that's the funny thing about a 302 stroke is yeah, it, it's like cheating and it is cheating. And then when you get back onto another bike, your handy, you're like a four stroke or something, your handicap comes back, you know? So it wasn't, it was a 2014 KTM 350 XEF was a bad bike. It was just, I wasn't skilled enough to really ride it and appreciate it at, at that time. I remember the first ride I took it on. I went on this trail that I used to call and ride this Razorback trail. I don't ride it anymore. It's just kind of been blitzed by a bunch of people. And I learned my lesson with that one. Don't name a trail and then, you know, continue to go back to it over and over and over again, because then people are just going to go and, And I trash it. It was a really cool trail. And then it kind of got trashed a little bit. And I feel kind of responsible for that. I didn't necessarily say where it was, but I'd shown it so many times and kind of given it this name of Razorback or whatever. And then suddenly trail kind of got destroyed a little bit. And so I take it on that trail at the time in 2015. And man, I just wasn't skilled enough to make the thing to keep the thing running. And I spoiled it like four or five times just in 10 minutes. And I'm like, man, I, and I've got footage of it. I say in the YouTube video, I dug back and found the footage from 2015. And I'm like, I stalled this bike, you know, four or five times. I stalled it more than, you know, in the last 10 minutes of riding than I did in the last three or four years. And that was true, but that wasn't, I was just riding the bike. I wasn't riding it correctly. And so you put me on a KTM 350. Now it's going to be a lot different story. I'm not going to list it in my bottom five. But that's how it was. You know, I've been spoiled by the two strokes. So, and the one that I had in 2016, I really, really liked. I had a couple of really, really fun rides on my 2016 KTN 350 XCF, but alas, that 2014 made it into my bottom five. So next bike, moving on, bottom three. My third least favorite bike, we're working down to number one here, um, is unfortunately the 2020 Beta 300RR Race Edition. And it pains me to say that. And I had a lot of hate from this because, you know, there's a lot of there, beta fanboys, beta. And I know there's KTM fanboys and whatever. And I get called a fanboy of whatever. You know, usually people say I'm a KTM fanboy because I tend to have those the most because I think they have the most polish out of any of the bikes. But that doesn't that doesn't mean these other bikes are bad And this 20 and beta. They have this really cult following almost where it's like Subaru, I mean, people, you buy a Subaru and you're a Subaru owner for life and, you know, your kid's going to have a Subaru and they, really clever marketing they have. And beta kind of has a little bit of that feeling. And so you say something even remotely, you know, negative about a beta and suddenly you got death threats almost. I mean, and this and the sad part is I've reviewed, I think four different betas or is it five? I can't remember. I mean, I, one of my, two of my favorite, two of my top 10 bikes of all time were in, were betas. I had the 200 RR as my top, and I had the 390 RR as my top. Just so happens that this 2020 300 RR race edition, one second. I feel like I'm still trying to get hydrated. We went camping over the weekend, and it was just super windy in Utah. And I just feel like I kind of got all the all the water sucked out of me, but this, the 300 RR race edition in 2020, they just totally whiffed on the forks. They totally whiffed on that valving. And it's a very stiff frame. I mean, if you look at it and you say, if you just say the chassis, the motor, the clutch, the brakes, they're, they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. The chassis is very, very stiff. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to kind of adjust with that, uh, adjust that on the suspension and I even said in the YouTube video that that 2020 300RR race edition might be the best-looking bike I've ever owned. There's something about it. It's I'm usually not a fan of the red and the blue together, um, but there's it's mostly red, and there's just enough blue with white accents that I'm like, that thing was is freaking sharp. I love seeing it. I, w- we were, I was just on a trail ride with my boys the other day out in this area, you know, in the desert of Utah, and I came up to a group where there was couple KTMs, one Yamaha, one beta. It's the 300. I mean, it was a race edition from 2020. It's the It was the best looking bike in the bunch. I just think it's awesome. They just, it punches all the, all the things for me. And then with the KYB fork, it's got kind of the gold tubes. It just looks really good, but beta was finally beta finally did something that no one else has really been able to do, which is to mess up KYB. I mean, I don't know how they did it. It's sacrilege because KYB is like, you know, the best ever, (laughs) whatever, you know, like people really, really think that the KYB fork is the best thing that's ever made. And that like, you know, God came down and personally handed it to Moses along with, you know, the 10 commandments. He came down and he, he, so Moses comes out of Mount Sinai with the 10 commandments and the KYB forks. That's what he came down with. And, and I'm not saying that they're bad, Um, but you know, the valving makes all the difference. And if the valving is set up correctly for what you want to do, they can be really, really good. In this case, the valving was horrible. They are on the race edition. You know, it was the worst valved fork I had ever had. And, you know, I had all these people reaching out to me saying like, Kyle, it's because you don't race. You got the race edition and you don't race. And my response back was, okay, Paco. I shouldn't say that. Okay, guys. (laughs) Okay. Every single bike that I buy is a race edition. Every single KTM is race edition. KTM doesn't have an edition that isn't a race edition. And the YZ250FX, that's a race edition bike. And the Huskies, they're race editions. Everything. Everything that I have ever ridden with the exception of the beta ones that are called the standard versions are they're all race editions. And up to that point, I said, the best fork that I'd ever had was the year before that the 2019 beta race edition. So it's not that it's just the fact it was way too stiff. I gave it to my suspension guy. He tore it apart and he was looking at it and he was going, man, I don't know what they did here because it was like the people that were working on the initial stroke. It's like they had two different committees of deciding how this fork should be valved. And you've got one committee on the initial stroke of the fork. And they're saying, Hey, this thing should be super soft. And then you had this whole other separate committee that's working on, you know, the mid stroke and, and the bottom part of the, you know, the stroke of that fork. And they were like, no, this thing's needed to be super stiff. And so it was like, just two opposite ends of the coin, butting heads on the valving of that fork. And it was, it was just horrible. And I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of other people emailing me saying, yeah, it's the worst ever. And yeah, you know, they went out there and they bought that beta and they sold it right away. You're like, there's the biggest mistake I ever made. And they spent all this money on the suspension. I've had dozens, if not hundreds of people tell me that, you know, and it's just unfortunate because the motor is freaking sweet. that, that beta motor, they've done so many things right with it, you know? And so we had to spend so much time dinking around, uh, valving that thing. And I just had a, several rides where I just fought the bike and fought the bike and fought the bike. There was one time I was riding in Southern Utah and I rode the bike all day long and I was just getting beat to heck. And I couldn't determine if it was me or the bike or whatever. And then I got on one of my buddies you know, a 2020 KTM 300 XCW. And suddenly I, all of a sudden I could ride again and it didn't feel like I was getting beat to heck. And I'm like, dang. Anyway, by the time we revealed the bike, the bike twice, then it ran much, much, it felt much, much better, you know, but we had spent so much time working with it. And I was pouring so much like equity into this and testing it and going out and riding it this way and that way and checking clickers and running this way and that way. And, and it just, by the end of it, it just put a bad taste in my mouth. You know, and it wasn't as much fun as it otherwise should have been or would have been um if they had just given like a normal valving on that fork and not made it so horrible. You know, so that was the that was the Debbie Downer with the 202300 race edition from Beta. So, it made it in my bottom 5. One second. The interesting thing about this podcast Not the interesting thing. But one thing about it is, you know, you're just getting the real deal here. I'm not editing editing this. I mean, every once in a while, if I have a guest and they say some bad word or whatever, I might come in and edit. But for the most part, this is just me talking straight up. This is one take. That's what happens on these podcasts. And you're getting it too, because I'm sitting here unprofessionally drinking my water and ice out of my dirt bike channel bottle, by the way. So number two. Uh, least favorite bike of all time is the, was the 2003 Honda CR250R. It was a restoration project. And again, and maybe I'm a sucker for red. I don't think I am because red isn't my favorite color, but this bike ended up looking super sharp and it sounded super mean. There is something totally different about the way that, you know, those old Honda two-stroke motors sound. They sound totally different than any of these newer motors that we ride today. And so it looked sweet because we did a a restyling kit on it to make it look like a twenty eighteen um like Honda C R F four fifty R. And this bike looked awesome. You know, it looked awesome. And I had my good buddy Scott Seely help me with that. He went out and found the bike and did all the work on it. You know, so I gave him the cash and anything that we needed on on as far as like okay parts, this thing, that thing. He bought a bunch of things. I ended up paying him back and saying, hey, what did you get? what did you you know, have, and let me reimburse you on that. And the thing turned out so amazing as far as how it looked, but here's the thing. It also ended up being by the numbers, the most expensive dirt bike I've ever owned. Now, not, it wasn't just the cash. We were in it somewhere around eight grand or something like that. Maybe if I've got, if I have, if I can find it here while I'm talking, I can find out the actual numbers on that bike, because I have, if you want If you want to get the numbers, um, for this bike, you can just email me. In fact, here it is. It's the Honda Sierra. I've got it. I've got it exported here. So I kept, we tracked, we kept track of all the parts. So we bought the bike, um, for $1,800. So it wasn't a expensive bike. And then we put $6,700 in upgrades into it. And so the total project without, you know, without the labor, um, was eighty five hundred dollars eight eight thousand five hundred and fourteen dollars we did approximately fifty dollars an hour and so I know some of you are going to dispute this but I'm like hey look my time is worth at least fifty bucks an hour you take it to a shop they're going to charge you eighty or a hundred dollars an hour but I'm not willing to just say my time isn't worth fifty bucks an hour it totally is worth that and more so if I say that my time is worth fifty dollars an hour and it takes us 80 hours approximately, that's four thousand dollars in labor, which makes that a twelve thousand five hundred and fourteen dollar investment. Now I have written checks for like a Sherco for over twelve grand, but it involved no labor. And again, this is me like discounting my labor significantly. I don't touch people's stuff. If I if somebody asks me to do a job, an editing job or whatever. Like my base level that I say, what I'm willing to do work for is hundred dollars an hour. If you do that, if you say your time's worth hundred bucks an hour, then this is a over $16,000 motorcycle. You can buy two YZ two fifties for that brand new. And it just was never that fun to ride. As far as like my, as far as riding, it was my least favorite two stroke ever. I mean just let that sink in. The 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 bike that I that is my least favorite bike above this one is going to be a four stroke. And you're probably going to be able to deduce which one it is, but this is my least favorite two stroke ever. You know, the best money we spent on that bike was on the suspension overhaul, overhaul because it had KYB, I mean not KYB, had Showa forks that were valve for motocross and it was old and so we needed to put new seals and new oil and had it revalve so it was a softer thing so you could do some single track work with it. And, you know, if we were riding this on a motocross track, maybe it would have been amazing. We did. I did have my buddy Tyler take it to a motocross track when he was riding that for a season. I didn't get to ride it on the motocross track because of my knee. I was rehabbing my ACL at the time, but I did get to ride the bike several times in off-road situations. And it just wasn't that fun to ride. It just wasn't. You know, we, we were doing this and that and the other two, and it just, it was kind of like that on off switch. And if two strokes were always like that, where there was no, no power, and then all the power came at once, this, this is why so many people don't, you know, they have to be converted over to this idea of trail riding a two stroke because their experience has been with other two strokes like this. three Honda CR two fifty R sounds good. Looks good. Hard to ride hard to ride out on, on the trails you know, and it just never worked that well. And it didn't matter how much money we threw at the bike. It just wasn't as good as the newer. I mean, I'd rather have any of the modern two strokes, beta Sherco gas, gas, uh, you know, uh, KTM Husky, any of those bikes, TM I'm, I'm guessing I haven't ridden a TM, but that's, you know, so it was my top three, uh, I mean, top two, least favorite bike. And now Getting in here, number one, my number one least favorite bike. Shouldn't come as any surprise. It was the first one I ever owned. It was a 2009 Yamaha YZ450F. Pause for dramatic effect. And again, I need to reiterate, it's not because this was a bad bike. It was because I it, I was the thing wrong with it. I... Bought the wrong bike. I bought a motocross bike. and I wasn't riding motocross, I was going to ride some gravel roads and some rocky kind of hill climb things. And I'm on this 450 race bike, this rocket ship. I got such a good deal on it. I mean, it was like I I walked out of there, like out the door in 2000. It was in 2010. It was a leftover model. Yamaha had just gone to their um, their you know, their backward slanting motor and electronic fuel injection. And so this was like way old news for people, this 2009. And so they were just blowing, trying to get rid of it off the showroom floor. It was still when the motorsport industry was kind of really down. (sighs) And it just, it was the wrong bike is my problem is my problem. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like trying to buy an, a formula one race car as your first car ever okay, you've never ridden a car before or you've never driven a car before and you go out and you get a Formula One car and the first place you're going to drive it is down some gravel road. It's going to kill you. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You're putting an amazing F1 car in a situation where it's not designed for with a with a driver who's not designed, doesn't have any skill. This is what happened because I buy this rocket ship like so many of us do and then I don't know how to use it. It's way above my skill level. You know, in dirt bikes, it's interesting because you can actually buy a, t- like you can't buy a Formula One car, but you can buy a Formula One. You can buy that, that equivalent in dirt bikes. And they've progressed so much over all these many years. We're not adapted. Like we're not adapted as humans to use these things to their potential. There's very, very few people on the planet less than 50 that can actually use that thing to its full potential. And I wasn't one of them. And chances are, neither are you, if you're listening to this podcast, and especially you are not that person when you're just starting out. And so it wasn't the 2009 YZ450F was a bad bike at all. It was just a really, really bad decision by me to buy that as my first bike. And I've kind of made it one of my life's missions to keep people from doing, from making that same mistake. I've had a couple of calls with people today where, you know, we've talked about this. I've got a call here in just a few minutes with another gentleman and we're going to talk about what bike to buy. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm not saying that I know, you know, which bike is the best. I have a feeling that I know which bikes are the best are going to set you up for success. And this 09 YZ450F is definitely not the bike that is going to set you or me or anyone else up for success if this is going to be your first bike, you know? So it was an impossible situation for that Yamaha to overcome. And that's my fault. That is my bad for doing that. So those are my those are my top five least favorite bikes ever. You got the 2019 KTM 300 XCW, 2014 KTM 300 XCF, a 2020 Beta 300RR Race Edition, the 20, 2003 Honda CR250R, and then the 09 Yamaha YZ450F. And as of 2021, those are, my, uh, those are my least favorite bikes. You know, it'll be interesting to see down the road if, you know, how much this changes, because I don't think about this a lot. It was just somebody had emailed me saying, hey, will you please do a video, a YouTube video on your top 10 favorite bikes? And then I did that. I'm like, oh, it's been a while since I've done that. And then, you know, I had other people saying, well, what are your least favorite bikes? And, and so that's what I did. I wonder what it's going to be like in 10 years from now, how much different this list is going to be. You know, maybe I will have, maybe I'll finally decide in hindsight that I've got bikes that eclipse these that are like even worse, that I liked even worse. That's totally possible. I don't know if it'll happen, but that's my list as of right now. And I'm sticking to it. So, Hey, if you have suggestions for podcasts, send me an email, Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. I want to also start doing more, um, interviews with people with just regular riders. I've got a couple of them set up. I've done a couple recently, I think at least one. And so what I want to do is come up with, uh, some more, sorry, I was had playing two songs here in the background. I just shut one of them off. But I want to do some more interviews with people and just talking about everyday riders like me, like you out there doing their thing. Um, good quality content that you can listen to on the way to a trailhead or on the way home from a trailhead. So should be good stuff. So send me an email if you've got questions or if you've got topics or if you, if you have questions or whatever. If you want to support Dirt Bike Channel, I don't have sponsors to this podcast usually. Uh, so you can use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV, Motorsport, Amazon. I also have Dirt Bike Channel sweepstakes every, that I do every once in a while here in the next little bit starting on april 30th of 2021 2021 i'll start another sweepstakes where i'm giving away a ktm 125 a kx 250x and also my street bike which i hardly ever ride is a 2020 ktm 1290 super adventure s it's the full street version i'll be giving that away details will be on my website on april 30th and it'll go through june 30th of 2021 so That's what I've got for you guys. Hope everybody is having a good week and uh, hope spring break was good for everyone. Until next time, leave a single track. Thanks, everyone.